my wish for all of us, <laughs> hopefully, is that regardless of our backgrounds or our settings or conditioning or any of that, is that we decide to decide who we want to be because so much becomes possible once we just decide and commit. Welcome back to another episode of Oh Hi Self, your portal to the magical world of personal development. I'm your host, Sandra Possing, and my mission in life is to help you create an extraordinary life you love, because truly the more stoked and lit up that you are, the better it is for all of us. I should probably warn you that I'm feeling extra spicy today, like feisty, so, you know, watch out. So today I'm going to be introducing you to IDA or IDA, which is a super simple framework that I use to help my clients create those extraordinary lives they love. As you know, I'm a fan of practical tools that we can actually use. And I'm also a fan of easy to remember acronyms. So, you know, it's like if it's easy to remember, we're more likely to use it. And if we actually use it and use it on the regular, we're more likely to experience transformation, which is what I'm in the business, at least of serving up for y'all. So in this episode, I'm going to introduce you to the framework and what it means, and then I'm going to break it down and go deep, or I'm going to break down and go deep into the I part of Ida. In future episodes, we'll break down and go deep into the D and the A. And at the end of the episode today, I'm going to give you some homework that you can do if you want to take this to the next level. But first, I want to share my GCI for today. If you're new here and you don't know what I'm talking about or what GCI is, go back to episode two. I go all into what that means, but in short, GCI stands for gratitude, celebration, intention. It's one of my favorite daily practices I do with my clients. I like to give them lots of examples and kind of model different ways of incorporating gratitude and celebration and intention into our lives. So I want to be modeling that for y'all here on the podcast too. Today, I'm grateful for my first in-person speaking gig since before COVID. Woohoo! That's coming up at the end of this month. It'll be in front of a group of around, I think like 400 people. And I'm so excited to get back on stage. Like that is one of the places where I just come absolutely, I just come alive. It's such a thrill. I, I get, I get very nervous beforehand, like probably for two weeks, especially the couple of days right before, but I'm okay with that because I know how amazing it feels once I'm up there. And then it's the most satisfying feeling afterward. And I miss it. You know, it's been three plus years. I think my last one was like end of 2019 or something. So I miss that shit. And I get really weird <laughs> when I have a captive audience. I get very weird when I'm on stage. I get like primal. Sometimes I end up on all fours. I'm like crawling around. It's very weird, but and awkward. Um, but I would like to think it's like the charming kind of awkward. So really, really grateful for that. My first one coming up end of March. And let's see, celebrating. What am I celebrating? Uh, speaking of speaking gigs, I guess I'm I'm proud to have been hired back by a tech company that I led a work a workshop back. Uh, this is like mid COVID. When was that? End of 2020, and they've hired me back. So always nice to to be invited back. <laughs> I'm, I'm their keynote speaker for their. I guess they do like a monthly virtual couple of trainings, and I'm their keynote for March, which is super fun. And while I absolutely love the in-person stuff, like let's be honest, virtual workshops are pretty damn convenient. I can be sitting at home in my office in my yoga pants and still, you know, have a lot of fun while serving a big, well-known company. So super fun celebrating that. Proud of that. And then um, my intention, let's see, I'll just stay with the speaking theme to make it easy. Um, my intention is to call in lots more speaking gigs. Like I just love it. Uh, it's so fun. I'm putting it out to the universe and also, you know, for anyone listening that I am available for both in-person and virtual speaking engagements. 
My jam, if you're new to me or if you're not familiar, is typically topics that will fall under the umbrella of personal development or in the case of more corporate type gigs, it's professional development types, that kind of umbrella. So it's things like time management, work-life balance, communication, lifestyle design. I love doing like empowerment workshops and facilitating leadership trainings and things for tech companies or done some for hotels, nonprofits, just really any organization that's motivated to level up their employees' well-being and productivity and stuff. So putting that out there, please and thank you. So that's my GCI for today. I, as always, encourage you all to do some version of that practice. If anytime you want to share them with me, please do. Just DM me on Instagram or whatever works for you. I love celebrating with you. Okay, so part one, let me introduce you to Ida. Ida, Ida. We'll go with Ida. It like sounds like a fun friend I'm going to introduce you to. So the Ida framework is this. IDA stands for Identity, Desires, and Action. This is basically a simplified version of a longer and more in-depth journey that I take my clients on. The client transformation I take people on, the journeys, it's kind of loosely based on my own personal transformation journey with its many ups and downs and, you know, face plants and learnings. But it's also my experience of working with many hundreds of clients over the last 10 years. And while each client brings you know, it's one-on-one, it's very personalized. So each client brings a different set of goals and challenges to the table, but really the general themes tend to be the same because, you know, we're human. (laughs) So it's so much more than this, but I like starting small. We'll get into the more in-depth journey later, but I love starting with the basic foundational pieces and building from there. So we'll just go with IDA, with IDA for now. So IDA, identity, desires, and action. What this means or what I mean when I'm presenting it is that it's really, it's getting more clear on your identity. So who you are, like who you really, really are deep down, getting more clear on your desires. So what do you want? Like, not just what do you want, but like, what do you really want? And then getting more clear on the action required to close that gap. So actually starting to move in the general direction of those desires. I know this sounds really basic, but the huge key here is authenticity. You'll hear me like rant and rave and preach about authenticity till the end of time. Because if you think about it, most of us are conditioned to become not who we want to be and not who we really are, but we're conditioned to become who we think we should be. Should is like one of the bad words. (laughs) Should is the word that just pisses me off. And we're conditioned to, to want what we think we should want. And we're conditioned to do what we think we're supposed to do in order to be and to have what we're supposed to do and have and do. You know what I mean? So it's so fucking annoying. But for most of us, like that's just kind of how it is. The sad part about that is that most of us don't even question it. Like it doesn't even occur to us to question it. And then we're all sad and stressed and overwhelmed and burned out and anxious and depressed and unhappy or whatever. And we wonder what's wrong with us, which like that breaks my heart. But The good news is it doesn't have to be that way. The sooner that you get clear on who you are deep down, so identity, and what you truly want, desires, and then simply start moving in that general direction, the sooner you'll be in the process of creating an extraordinary life you love. Et voila. And by the way, it does not matter how old you are or what stage of life you're in. It's never too late to course correct and start charting a new path. Like it's actually amazing what can happen when you start to make these shifts. I believe really strongly believe that your soul wants you to live in alignment. Most of us are just like really way out of alignment. So once we start to realign, it's kind of like your whole being just breathes this, I don't know, huge sigh of relief and things start to fall into place 
and it almost feels like it's happening just like magically. So part two, where does our identity come from? <laughs> like we'll go much deeper into the desires and the action piece later, but today let's just focus on identity. Like identity, what the fuck does that even mean? I think I'm going to be swearing a lot in this episode. <laughs> just feeling so feisty about this topic. So identity, who are you? I think a good starting place is who most of us think that we are. And the crushing thing is that so many of us have no idea. Like this is what really pisses me off. And it's not our fault. It's not, I'm not blaming or judging myself or any of you or any one of us. Like we're just literally not set up for success in this area. I really think that we've got to do better as a society. But anyway, so, so many of us have no idea who we really are because we've just been on autopilot for decades, for a whole lifetime. And trust me, I've had so many deep conversations with countless, very successful professionals, many in the Bay Area, who from the outside absolutely appear to have their shit together. Like anyone who knows them would say that they're crushing it. But man, once they feel safe and start sharing how they really feel, like they're stressed, overwhelmed, burned out, they're anxious, scared, worried. They're oftentimes just so tired, you know, from working, parenting, adulting, keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> they feel guilty because maybe they've quote unquote made it, but they're somehow unhappy and they don't really know why. And they feel guilty about it. Maybe they're super successful at work, but they've kind of neglected their health or their family, but they're caught on this hamster wheel and they've got like golden handcuffs and they don't know how to unplug from that. Or maybe their life is generally good all around, but they just feel this sense of like, they just feel unsatisfied or unfulfilled. Um, I get a lot of people who tell me they feel like something is missing, but they just don't know what that is. My general conclusion in those cases, based on a decade of these folks pouring their hearts out to me, and then also what I see, what I see happens when we go through this kind of realignment process together, it's this. They are way out of alignment. Like maybe their life is awesome, but it's based on shoulds. It's based on supposed tos. And sometimes it's, it's drastic. Like they're so completely far out of alignment. They're living a life that, you know, is someone else's. Other times it's really subtle, but regardless of whether it's drastic or subtle over time, that misalignment takes such a huge toll. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes like a breathtakingly huge toll. Oftentimes the impact is mental health. Sometimes it's physical health relationships suffer, you know, they wonder if they're broken, they aren't able to connect with the people closest to them. They often suffer in silence because they feel like they have no one to talk to because no one would understand because people would just be like, oh yeah, it must be nice. You know, like it's, no it, it's normalized to feel this way. And so they just walk around feeling shame or guilt. And sometimes the solution is like <laughs> a huge life transformation. It's like flipping everything on its head. And more often, most often, probably, it's just like a series of subtle, small shifts. And at the end of the day, if you think about it, it kind of makes perfect sense. Like it's, it's usually not our fault. It's just how the world operates or how most of the world operates. It's our conditioning. It's our trauma. It's the media. It's our parents. It's our friends. Like we're simply not taught to have the tools to be aware of it or to know that there's even a different way. But the great thing is there is. There is a different way and it's not actually that hard and you can start right now. So what is identity? For most of us, until we start working on it consciously, it's just, it's like our default setting. It's whatever kind of operating system we realize that we've been programmed with. It's our conditioning, especially from ages zero to seven. The more I learn about our subconscious minds and neuroscience, the more it's like, holy shit, 
from zero to seven, our little subconscious minds were just like sponges soaking everything up around us. And by soaking everything up, like that's not just how our caretakers and families spoke to us directly and what they were trying to teach us, but it's how they spoke to each other, their energy, their behaviors, all of their own unhelpful tendencies, their beliefs, their traumas, our traumas, like anything that occurred that it created some sort of a heightened emotional state imprinted us. The messaging, like everything in our environment was influencing us in some way. And that's just zero to seven. And then pile on top of that, everything that happened during our very impressionable and angsty um, hormone-fueled teenage and young adult years, peer pressure, societal expectations as we grow up. And now, especially if you look at like the kids who grew up with technology, oh my God, social media, comparing ourselves to someone else's highlight reel, like if left unchecked, it's a goddamn shit show of a dumpster fire. <laughs> like if we're not taught how to process all of that and become self-aware and decide who we are, then who we are gets decided for us. It gets decided by default and by other people. Usually, like I would hope, well-meaning adults and caretakers in the in the early years. But unfortunately, even then, they are often, if not usually, playing out their own traumas and projecting their own shit onto us. So <laughs> that doesn't always work out so well. So if identity is mostly programmed into us by default, like what's the alternative? The alternative is that we start to work through and release that old programming and uncover what's really underneath, like who we really are or who we want to be. Actually, I believe it's a, like a delightful mix of both. I think it's a mix of who we just are underneath it all, which I would call that our soul, regardless of your spiritual beliefs. It's like, think of it just as the whispers in your heart. It's what makes you you. So it's like your innate, natural you, but it's also whoever the fuck you want to be because you absolutely get to decide who you want to be. And in fact, my wish for all of us, <laughs> hopefully, is that regardless of our backgrounds or our settings or conditioning or any of that, is that we decide to decide who we want to be because so much becomes possible once we just decide and commit. Part three, how the hell do you figure out who you are <laughs> or who you want to be? It's not the easiest thing, right? So if our default setting, let's say our default identity is a mix of nature and nurture, like understandably, it's our conditioning, it's our trauma, social influences, et cetera. And if we have a lot of power, choice, and agency when it comes to actually deciding who we want to be, how do we do that? This is one of those times where I'm like, there are many paths. Don't worry about finding the perfect one, like literally just start because it's going to look, the journey is going to look so different for each of us. And trying to find the perfect one or trying to copy someone else's journey, just it's just not relevant. So just just start down your own path and trust that it's unfold. Un, it's like the journey, the path is unfolding while you're walking on it, basically. But as an example, so when I work with a new client, we usually begin with some introspection. I give them a lot of self-discovery exercises. These might be lists or journaling or conversations they're having um, with themselves or others. Some of the examples are core values. So I love core values. It's one of the first things I do with clients because it is like the foundation of everything else. It's like, it's basically answering the question, what do you give a shit about? What is most important to you? What are the, you know, you think of it as like your own set of 10 commandments or something like what are the, the guidelines by which you want to live your life and that you would hope most other people would. So core values become like this foundation. 
I love helping them identify their own strengths. And by strengths, I, I mean like their natural talents and gifts. It's like the things that come easily to you. There's some really amazing clues there. And for some people, identifying your natural strengths is really hard because it's like completely in your blind spot. It, it doesn't even occur to you that it these are things that might be hard for other people because it, they've just always been easy for you. So that's a great place to look. If you don't know what those are, you can just ask people around you, like, what are the things that you think I'm naturally good at? Identifying their skills, which could be like experiences they've had or education or training skills that you've acquired through repetition or work experience or whatever it is, which can be really helpful to be aware of. And it can be helpful to identify those things that you bring to the table. Like if you're at a job interview, it's nice to be able to articulate and own the shit out of the skills that you have that are part of the value you bring. And side note, (laughs) just because you are good at something or highly trained in it doesn't mean that you're obligated to use this. I see this all the time. Like, let's say, for example, somebody has like, I don't know, decades of schooling in medicine or mathematics or something. They're naturally good at it. They have some strengths, but they also have a ton of skills and they feel like they need to use that because they have it. But maybe their huge passions are in a completely different category, like singing or arts or something, but they feel like they have to use the math or the medicine and like newsflash reminder that you don't have to use something just because you have it. You are always in a place, like remember to be at choice if possible. I love digging into passions. So I think of passions as what lights us up and honoring these. Oh my gosh, it's so important. It's like the gateway to aliveness. And it doesn't mean you have to drop everything quit your job and go pursue your passions full time, but just beginning to honor your passions a little bit. It's amazing how much that can like breathe aliveness into a person and it becomes an energy source. Like if you start honoring, if you've been not honoring your passions at all and you start honoring them just a little bit, like let's say just taking a painting course on the weekends or just starting to play an instrument that you love or, you know, dance a little bit daily or something. It's like that becomes this huge energy source that maybe you haven't been tapping into. Another area to look is quirks. So like the weird things that make you, you, I'm such a believer in self-expression. And I think that the more that we just acknowledge, first of all, and then secondly, embrace the weird things that make each of us who we are, the more we embrace that and allow it to come up and out. It's like, this is like, that's what people fall in love with about you. You know, that's part of what makes you magnetic. If you're the, I don't know, what's a weird example. You're that person who like is such a huge nerd about holidays, like you completely decorate your whole house every time every holiday comes around, you send out holiday cards and you're such a nerd about it. Like that's what's so charming. And that's what's so individual about each person. Like, I don't know, what are my own examples? Like most of you know, probably because I talk about it a lot. I'm obsessed with cats, like love everything related to cats, love everything related to dancing. Like these little things that become our things, the more we honor them for ourselves, that lights us up. But then it also gives other people something to connect to, that is part of what makes you you, which just is special. Our traumas too. I think a lot of us are afraid. I think trauma is becoming much more of a hot topic, which I'm happy about because I just think we need to talk about it more. And I think trauma is this thing that in the past has been, you know, shamed and pushed into the corner. Like we're like, you know, brush it under the rug, pretend it's not there. Or you like work on it in private with your therapist, but you don't talk about it out loud. And I'm like, fuck that noise. (laughs) Like if we have trauma and we're willing to work to confront it and work through it, we open ourselves up to so much more. Like I really believe that we all have some kind of trauma, just being a human in this world is traumatic. So whatever kind of trauma each and every one of us might have or to what degree, the more we can just like 
look at it and be honest about it, embrace it and heal it and work through it and then release it and then also use it for our own growth and maybe for the growth of others too. Like it's really easy if you've experienced some trauma to go into a victim mentality, even if you've literally been the victim of some sort of abuse. And I'm not belittling that at all because that's legit and it's huge and it has such an impact, but it's the mentality afterward that I think is somewhere where we have the opportunity to choose. And if instead of just like labeling ourselves as a victim of whatever it was someone did to us at any point, if we can start to release that and heal it and instead choose, you know, it's like there's, I love the concept of post-traumatic growth, where it's like, if we can choose to heal from it and use it for growth and use it to become stronger, to develop resilience, and then even help others with the wisdom or strength we've gained from it. Like sometimes your mess becomes your message. There's so many amazing teachers and guides out there who are literally helping dozens or hundreds or thousands of other people through the very hard thing that they went through. And it's because they have the wisdom and the resilience of having gone through it, that their, their message is so potent and their wisdom is so potent. So sometimes your gift might be in the very thing that you've had to navigate and heal from. So I think that's something to acknowledge. And then just in general, I think following our excitement is a great place to start in terms of identity. Like the more you tune into not just like, what are you supposed to do? What What is it that people do? What does adulting look like? Who am I supposed to be? But just following your excitement and noticing like what turns you on, what lights you up, what gets you excited and follow that. It's like this little trail of breadcrumbs that the more we pay attention to it becomes this amazing inner GPS system. And it it's like, we don't have to overthink and figure out the how as much because we can just start to listen to that inner guidance, which for a lot of us, like the excitement is a great place to look. So that's kind of like if you're trying to figure out identity just based on your own introspection and and self-discovery and like digging and journaling and conversations is such a great starting point. Another place to look is all of the personality systems, which I love. And examples would include things like Enneagram, DISC, what's it called? Leadership 360, Myers-Briggs, any, all of the many different kinds of astrology, human design, like Regardless of what you think about those, whether you think they have any merit or if you believe in them, like I think putting putting judgments aside and well, so here's my take. I think each of those is like the potential window into who you are. I find it not helpful to attach to any one of them and and like pigeonhole yourself into like, oh, I am a this kind of person. I'm an INFP. That means that this and I'm only this. That to me is just limiting. I'm all about finding things that are not limiting and finding things that are helpful. So it's like if you use a personality typing system, use it just as a perspective. Instead of getting attached or being rigid about it, it's like, how is this a tool for helping me better understand myself? My personal favorite is human design. Like, oh my God, I feel so seen. I'm a 2-4 generator for anybody else who's into that. I'm sure I'll talk a lot more about human design on here as I delve more into it myself. I'd love to get some of my favorite teachers on here. But Again, just like using a system like that. So when I look at my own human design chart, for example, I'm not saying that this is me and only this is me. I'm just using it as a window kind of into who I am. And if it's helpful, I use it as a point of reflection, basically. So it's like reflection and self-discovery about who you really are, those typing systems. And then also I think visioning and dreaming about who you aspire to be can be part of the identity work that we do as well. I love giving my clients like future self types of exercises where they're trying to figure out, like, I want to be the kind of person who blank. I love giving them exercises around personal brand, which you don't have to be an entrepreneur or have a business or anything like that. You can, anyone can have a personal brand. 
And I think of that as just your future self personal brand. It's like, who are you when you're most in your power, your most authentic self? Who is that? And a lot of it may be a version of the you that you haven't stepped into yet. And this is where, you know, somebody might use the phrase fake it till you make it, which I'm like, yes, there's some merit to that. Absolutely. And I think just A, that phrase is kind of old and tired and B, it can be very misinterpreted where it's like, be something you're not, and you know, pretend that whatever. But I actually think rather than fake it till you make it, another version of that that I like much better is embody it until you become it. This is also like one of the best manifestation hacks that I know. So what does that mean? Embody it until you become it. It's like figure out who this future version of you is, which is generally a version of the most authentic you, but it's like amplified. It's the version of you that has worked through some more of your fears and resistance. It's the version of you that has achieved some more of your goals. It's the version of you that's showing up more confidently, more in your power, more authentically, whatever it is. And then you kind of practice stepping into that version. Maybe you carry yourself differently. You hold yourself a little, stand a little taller, hold your eye contact, you know, have a stronger voice that resonates more, whatever it is. And you embody that and like over and over and over until it just is who you are. So closing remarks or recap rather. In this episode, I shared my GCI. And then part one, I introduced you to IDA, identity, desires, and action. Part two, we talked about where does our identity come from, which is like mostly the default. It's our default programming. It's our autopilot, unconscious, just who we're conditioned to be until we decide to make it conscious. And then we can start releasing the old programming to reveal what is that true essence that we're trying to dig into? And then part three, how the heck do you figure out who you are if you're trying to do that on purpose? And that's where we go into self-discovery and digging into kind of that like reflection and introspection. We can look at things like tools, like personality typing systems, and then also that aspirational future self or personal brand, and then practicing embodying that as much as possible. Your homework, should you choose to take it on is to journal about your identity. So your authentic self, describe them, keep ideally. So like maybe spend a few minutes doing this, but then keep writing until you feel so pumped about this version of yourself that you can't not work on becoming them because you're so lit up by the idea of that person that you're like, absolutely, I'm going to continue to step into that version of myself. And then stay tuned for future episodes We'll go into desires, which is one of my favorite topics. We'll go into action and specifically like what kind of action to take to start creating this extraordinary life that you love. And if you want to embark on this kind of journey with a mentor, hit me up. I'll be offering more ways to work with me in the future, group programs, memberships, etc. Currently, it's mostly one-on-one. But if you want to go deep, hit me up. This is what I do. It's what I've been doing for 10 years. You can DM me on Instagram or just, you know, Google me. I'm pretty easy to track down. Thank you so much for tuning in and I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Love you. Bye.